So welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass. I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. And I'm Willie Epps. I'm a tabletop game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, what's up? Nothing, really. <laughs> and it feels good. Um, Cobweb's campaign is almost over, and the other campaign I was uh, te- teetering on, I'm just not doing. I'm still making the game, but I'm not doing another. I'm not doing another Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm in this the game. kind of flux where I'm like, just taking a step back and looking at what it is, like what my what I get out of making games, like what I want to get out of it, and I feel uh, that. just uh, re- resetting after the the dip in the green realm. <laughs> The green realm really fucks you up in ways that uh, you can never account for. So that reset is really important. Uh, how about you? I'm, you're ill. Yeah, I've been <laughs> sick for like five days. Uh, I've been watching Deadwood, so I've never actually felt better because I just watch cowboys uh, do cowboy shit. Um, there is a doctor in Deadwood who looks kind of looks like my brother if he fell down a mine shaft and um he just really is like a good doctor and i'm i'm kind of treating him as my healer so uh, (laughs) do you have a fever (laughs) or have you had a fever yeah i've had a fever i've um today i woke up with a headache like the size of a speck behind my eye like that's new anyway Health stuff is boring. I'm fe- I'm feeling better though. Good. I was gonna say, how has the fever uh, affected your viewing of Deadwood? Because when I watch movies and TV and I'm sick, it gets real fucking weird. Uh, I mean, I've I've watched about a season and a half in the last three days. So, I okay. Wait, here is what they did to me. I accidentally started watching the third season first. And it just like popped in season three, episode one. And I was like, wow, I really like the experimental characterization of all these people. Like (laughs) we're not getting a lot of time with everybody and it just makes me want to know more. And then it was like, would you like to continue season three, episode two? And I was like, fuck (laughs) ultimate spoiler baby pitfall. I had that when I listened to the S town podcast. And it played the last episode first. That is quite a way to fuck up listening to S-Town. It was like uh, newest to oldest in the feed. And so I listened to the newest ep, not knowing. And yeah, they just give you all the beans. You find that S means shit. (laughs) You wait 10 episodes to find out what the S means. But I found out right away. That's the main bean they spill on that one. Um. (laughs) I've been uh I've been playing The Last of Us. Nice. Which goes on record for having the worst video game graffiti of all time. <laughs> there I'm going to give you two examples of this bad graffiti. One, you're going through this Last of Us is a video game, okay? So, <laughs> video games have bad graffiti. And one of them said um corrupt bastards <laughs> written in graffiti. <laughs> And the other was a vandalized sign. The sign said rations line and someone modified rations. So it said irrational line. 
So oh, savage. Uh, yeah. What a, just scorched scorched earth. Everyone involved. Just real mic drop. Kind of nuclear. It's wild. I feel like people that make graffiti and video games have never been outside in between getting out of a car and going into their home or office. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I would have think. Or, yeah, I don't know how vi- video games work, but like, honestly, just take a picture of a real wall and like, that's the texture. You don't have to do. Yeah. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make your own. <laughs> Maybe you should. When it's. When it's used like as a storytelling purpose, I don't know. I've like using texture like that in a role playing game is really great because you can just have players help come up with stuff and uh, having that kind of like environmental detail is really interesting in a game when it's good and when it's bad, it's just like there's a dork writing this. <laughs> there's a yeah. giant dork. Dork is a perfect word for that uncool nerd corrupt bastard <laughs> corrupt bastards i saw that and i was just like oh god damn it <laughs> you idiots like do, didn't you ever take the bart or whatever yeah bart simpson he's a graph writer he he's a legend uh el barto he writes the tag el barto <laughs> that's oh, oh i didn't know they were the same person Spoiler that's alert. like a Banksy. That's like a Banksy and Banksy's friend situation. El Barto. <laughs> El Bankso. Anyway, uh, yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have any uh, a list. We don't have a list on this app. We're going freestyle. We don't often, but yeah. Well, I want to. I got some things I could talk about, but like, I want to hear about the ways that you're kind of taking stock of. taking stock of your life before you (laughs) decide (laughs) a lot of it is like uh cobwebs is ending and there's ideas that i have had spring up since the campaign was running that i didn't consider for it before so specifically i started working on like how it could be played with less players uh because it's three three players is kind of the uh intended game experience but I've kind of been tinkering with a way to play it with one or two, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting and I like it. And it's sort of, we talked about a little bit in the discord, like one of the, uh, it's like a weird goal for indie designer to make a game that other people want to beat up and hack and like repurpose. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the time when you make jam games or really small games because of the, uh, lack of refinement that go that usually goes into at least personally when i kick out a jam game and like don't revisit it those aren't games that are going to get that treatment in the designer sphere um so this sort of satisfaction that's coming from having mechanics and a a game loop that's more thoughtful uh Mm -hmm. is way different and scratching a, a much different itch than uh the, the sort of games I, I kick out much more often that are easier to, to develop, but less um, <laughs> revolutionary. Like, I don't know what a much, a much, much, much more low key word for that would be, but you know, like cobwebs, no, like I think novel is novel. And, yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, I was thinking about this a little bit too, because um, 
I was trying to contextualize like what it is to work on big and small projects and like carrying that weight behind you as like not wow that sounds like a a trial like using that kind of muscle strength you've built doing all that stuff to make the next thing and like I've been trying to look at my creative output more as like a big katamari that I'm just rolling around (laughs) and like I could go get a tiny little thing and it still has the energy still has me making it who made all that other stuff and well, here's a like a Katamari issue is that once you get up the ball up to a certain size and you're like picking up cars and stuff, you don't get to pick up paper clips anymore. You know? Like, yeah. Or you never you don't see the paper clips anymore. But I guess yeah, it's implied that they're still there, but they almost like have no effect. Yeah, then maybe is that like are there the kind of like this is a Peter Jackson problem. This is something I think about a lot that Peter Jackson can no longer make B horror movies because he made Lord of the Rings and he employs like a percentage point of the population of New Zealand working on them. And so you just like can't make anything small anymore. And that's just the kind of uh, artist he is. That's interesting. Cause now I'm thinking of it again in game gaming terms. Yeah. But like, when you level up, there's no system for leveling down. Mm-hmm. But why not? Why not? When I uh, I got a raise the other week, and I asked my boss for more money, and he's like, well, we had a good year, but you don't, in bad years, ever hear someone asking for less money. Just like, <laughs> Fuck off! Yeah, I wonder, so that's like an interesting subject, especially in, in terms of like games, which is most nobody's career or job um is how do you juggle that sort of like leveling up with your it's sort of different when it um when you think of it in a monetary way which i'm kind of doing with this reset because um yeah just the amount of time i invest in design or even just like thinking about designs is much is very disproportionate to uh the amount of work that it creates or money that it brings in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never been something I did for work and money explicitly. And I think the leveling system uh, doesn't always apply when it's like a artistic endeavor or something that you like your, your brain feels like you have to do um, to create something versus having numerical kind of goals wanting to publish x uh, an edition of more copies or uh, longer pages or or whatever or having it like uh like being being able to be comfortable while doing it and not being broke or whatever that it could also it could be great if you could hit all the design artistic aspirational goals and then also all the rent paying goals too and that's why like my favorite ever kickstarter update is like i got to pay rent with this money this month so thank you for helping me do that and yeah or like we don't have stretch goals so everyone's making more money yeah wow do i see a lot of my kickstarter pet peeves going on these past few weeks in february (laughs) Just I like um hmm 
maybe this is a different segment. Okay. I mean, my my main thing now is for the last like three years, I've kicked out more than 10 games a year. And it feels that's huge fun, but it's also kind of dumb. Um, not they're not all getting enough of my attention and, and certainly not a wider attention to mm. justify their like existence. Um, they're, they're, they're not given like time to breathe or live. And I just move on to the next thing. And that almost feels like discrediting to the, the work that went into them. Um, and so I'm like, what do I do to combat that? Because I like making stuff and the sort of simple solution, which, you know, time will tell if this is a thing I actually enjoy or not is, um, making half as many and making them twice as involved. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean like crunchier or longer or whatever. It's just, um, take the time that you would have spent and not even just like marketing promotion, publishing kind of shit, just like full on design. Yeah. Instead of this is the first idea that you've had and it feels pretty good. So chase it like sit on it. Think about how other things might affect it mechanically again, like cobwebs having multiplayer or, or single player is like a very good example of here's something I never considered because I went so far down this track that I saw of it being three players only. Yeah. That I never considered that there might be other ways to play it or, and, and something that I'm enjoying by the, we just uh, unlocked the stretch goal that you and a few other people are part of to like, hell yeah. Reevaluate some things about the game or hack or restructure or whatever. Um, even just offering that was enough for me to be like, Oh, why didn't I, why did I not consider what else this game or this playmat or whatever can do? And um, I'm enjoying exploring those things in my head now. And I'm really enjoying seeing what other people are, are starting to do with it too. Um, so I aspire to kind of just do more of that. And the first solution or like the thing I'm most likely going to do besides continue to work and develop uh, cobwebs kind of immediately um, is go back to some of my older games and do like newer editions or expansions and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then just fully like, yeah, like you said, um, really letting you explore every Avenue of a design and find out how many things you don't want to be a part of it. Like that process of whittling. Yeah. That's a good point too. Cause sometimes in that same development fury um there's fat or there's like what especially when i i love publishing and i love physical shit and like it comes from being a merchandiser and and i want to hold everything like i publish everything i make uh Mm -hmm. physically um and I do it so fast that I'm like, oh, I could have put a, an art splash on this page or like, or I could have edited this a little bit better. Um, things that I get get pushed to the wayside because I'm so swept up in the thing. I get really bad like tunnel vision. I want to oh, right. finish this game in two weeks and then I'm going to send it to print. And three weeks later, I'm going to ship it to my Patreon backers or uh, or whomever. Um, typically, it's Patreon. Uh 
and that's not necessarily a bad thing because I I am proud of my body of work, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I, it's definitely a style of working on something. And I think it's encouraged in a way by just the cult of newness that's always happening in not just games, but just everything. Like, I, I was lamenting the other day because I was at lunch with a friend and about how um, our band had a record come out almost a year ago now, and like, we don't do promo for it it's not like it's old already in the industry and and then next year is the 10th anniversary of our second lp so we're starting to think about like what can we do that's special to celebrate this without discrediting the work that comes later and i met with some people about doing like a music video (laughs) like who does a music video for a record that's nine years old but and the answer is no one, but like, there's no reason not to, except yeah, for exactly. the industry's always pushing you to make more shit, and then you end up with this sort of like flood and and saturation of it. Um, I want to make myself feel better about uh, celebrating past success or revisiting past uh, published material and have it be more of a living thing and than just a finished thing. Yeah, and then because the you can control what the definitive version is or whatever, like they're both functional versions and it also is just a fruitful exercise to go and do that. So totally, even yeah. So uh, I'll spill cuz the people who listen here or we engage with uh, are trustworthy and cool. But babes babes in the wood is my like big I want to do a big babes second edition this year blam, that's like blam. full on because that was the first rpg i published and uh it's pbta but it's really uh, the moves are taken from dungeon world there's not a lot of uh me my design sensibilities i guess in it and i think from having played it and watch it be played more than anything else that i've made I've learned things about how it's played and what, how it, I think it should be or ways to encourage certain things that aren't in the text but come out during play. And mm. like those aren't things I even knew to consider when I was making it. I just wanted it to exist. Um, so, yeah, that, that's like a, an interesting... And I kind of circle back to like the idea of leveling up as a designer. Like... My level one game is a paperclip. <laughs> I'm going to mix metaphors. And <laughs> when I make it again, Canterbury paperclip. <laughs> three years later, I'm hoping that it's a car. Um, yeah, because you, when you're approaching as a Katamari, the paperclip and the car will be the same relative size when you're coming up on it. So. Yeah. So hopefully so about that paperclip the, car, the, taking a step back, reevaluating my own work and the things I do and don't like about making it uh, is like backing up the ball to get enough speed to roll up your first car, you know? Yeah, you're right now torquing the uh, analog sticks back and forth. Just just spinning it real quick. (laughs) Dude, I love that game because it's all about your cousins. Like you're just finding cousins all over the place. Oh shit, you're my cousin. Cousin, Uh, hey! I saw that that designer just recently finally released uh, another game for PlayStation. 
Oh, hello. Um. Anyway, let's uh take a break. <laughs> We're back on the show. Do we want to touch on Kickstarter pet peeves? Or well, do we it's, is it like it's a minefield? I don't think it's a minefield. Uh, okay, I saw someone online, <laughs> this is already starting bad, <laughs> say that it seems like uh, it seems like right now is a great time for games because it's so vigorously alive. And that's just because um, Kickstarter said it was the month that we can buy each other's games. Right, like... It is happening, but that doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Yeah. So I I would like everyone listening to consider how much they spent this month on Kickstarters for zines or whatever, games, and uh, figure out what a normal number month would be or every other month and then spend that money on games also. Yeah, or for people who are like... Zine Quest is a hardship for, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't wait till February to spend two hundred dollars. Why don't you spend twenty dollars every month, which isn't even like twenty dollars is you know two meals. Um, meals is a bad way to quantify it. I feel because you should not skip meals for games. Yeah, twenty dollars is two ten dollar bills. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. I it's a uh, Kickstarter is not community and what they're doing is just um business initiative. So we we can be doing this all the time just and I think a lot of us are just vigorously supporting games and being public about making them and marketing them. A thing but, that you say a lot too and I try to piggyback is like you don't need Kickstarter to make your zine. Or you don't need yeah. Zine Quest to like make a physical version of your jam your jam game. Like you can do that whenever you want, and there are people who want it. Me, because I hate reading digital files, and I print out your PDF as a zine in my home, anyways. Adam's the one. Adam's the example of when you're doing that. You're like, yeah, you should. I'll throw but... anyone ten dollars for a zine. I don't even care because yeah. I want to see it and have it and hold it, and also. I find that that is a much more practical way for me personally to engage with the medium, even especially games that I don't really intend to play. Um, I would rather have a book on my shelf than a PDF in a folder uh, to support someone's like vision or, or design journey. Yeah, and I, a physical object gets farther than a digital one, like at, at a scale obviously right and the 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 other thing that's worth mentioning is like yes you can make your zine whenever um that some people are not always like 
if you're making one of the zine quests that has a three thousand dollar goal because you have you hire this artist and this editor like that's all great and that totally makes sense and you are using that tool for your benefit but a joyful thing about zines that zine quest doesn't like to engage with is that they don't have to be and maybe even shouldn't be perfect finished things yeah i saw people asking for shitty zines like some shittier zines that they could back on kickstarter because it's (laughs) it's very real (laughs) but like yeah you touched upon a great goal which is making money on kickstarter to pay people that you like and that you think should be paid for their thing like art or editing or layout um or dream dream their dreams (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's really the the perk and that's really what um was one of my favorite things. Really of of all the campaigns I've done was like like I said, I could kick out games by myself and I do it and they're fine. <laughs> Some of them are good. And but having a, a budget and having a Kickstarter presence, like getting that wider reach and a, a bigger audience and stuff allows me to bring other people in to the project with me, um, allows them to get a, a wider audience too. Uh, potentially, you know, hiring first time designers or artists who don't work in gaming spheres and stuff, the, their stuff will then be exposed to the people who back it and might otherwise not have ever reached that audience. Um, Mm -hmm. you, yeah, you get to curate and like, you get to support your friends, you get to support designers and artists that you care about. And that's like, that is something that I do see a lot of focus on, especially during zine quest. That is great. And it's again, like Kickstarter co-opting the communal aspect of zine culture, but, and, and like indie gaming in, in general, we are all, or people are, are doing it on their own and don't necessarily need uh, the Kickstarter framework to do that. But having that money and the audience built in allows people who might otherwise not be able to do that. Like the first, a lot of the games that I've done my own art for were crimes of convenience. Cause I don't have budget to hire an artist, but it doesn't right, mean exactly. I don't want to, or don't know anybody who, who would destroy the art and just be amazing. It's just like, yeah. Um, a weird, a weird dichotomy of, um, how serious do you want to take this thing? But to, yeah. to like circle back and finish my point, like a zine does not have a finite answer to that question. So I hope people, yeah, do make shittier things or worry less about it. But I also still really appreciate the like community big deal book stuff that's happening too. Yeah, exactly. And Kickstarter is also a great opportunity to get a stress related injury or something. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah here's some other things that i see people uh thinking up stretch goals during the campaign yep um, i did it and i admit uh, it <laughs> honestly everyone does it you just don't do it uh yeah especially with zine quest is hard because you know you come at them with a thousand dollar budget and you're like wow nope why do i i people aren't gonna give me a thousand dollars for this thing i made and then 10 minutes later, you have $4,000. And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> I did like, not oh, prepare for this. We're going to um, do this do, in leather now. Do like, prepare for it. Yeah. like You might be uh, successful, and that's a good thing to be prepared for. I can't 
imagine that people aren't just making a little cell in their spreadsheet that's like, if I did this for things, I'm like, if money is no issue, here's everything I want. Like, here's everything. Here's the grandest I could imagine this being. Yeah, my my goal or my kind of bummer with Cobwebs doing that was we we budgeted for that. We budgeted for the exact thing that I wanted. Yeah. And then we got the funding and I I was like no one knew is going to come through if we don't give them some reason to beyond the like core thing. So um and then I it wasn't exactly up shit's creek cuz we had the money we needed to make the thing what I wanted it to be. But um, the thing that I like really wanted and especially why I did this with um, another publisher was to get it to more people. And so that's like its own kind of beast that you have to deal with. And I still don't totally know. I, I'm not very good at, at that, but stretch goals sort of work that way. But I don't know. Also, I wonder if I didn't do any stretch goals and I just was like, hey, this game is still good, <laughs> you know, and you still have yeah. two weeks to order it. Like, would that have worked for the late people? Uh, probably. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, in some parts, stretch goals is uh, cross promotion with people. If you're bringing in more people on the project, just like get in front of more eyes or to compound pieces of the design process or whatever but i just see i just see this tweet series a lot are you ready for this oh my god i funded i'll be back in a couple days with the stretch goals right um <laughs> and then i i commented on someone i was like or don't or like <laughs> <laughs> or like you're doing a great job and the thing you made is good uh, yeah anyway. it, it's another one of those things like kickstarter invented that scramble yeah and and gave it to you like you didn't decide like i have 200 percent of the money i need and i need to spend it on the whatever on people i need to give the money back in some investment way like you didn't that's not a natural thought that's a yeah, kickstarter like, green seed that's growing in your brain yeah it's the green seed making your brain part of the green realm networking your brain <laughs> as part of the mind space mind fucking ocean it's uh the classic parable of receiving four thousand mystery dollars on kickstarter.com this is too much money what do i do with this is this are you scamming me um, yeah I'm trying to, th I definitely have some and I'm trying to think, but I also do all the ones that I, I have beef with the stretch goal ones for sure. I just did. Um, I ran stretch goals, but they were all like a self feeding stretch goals, like sure. an extra shoot with a photographer, a couple extra pieces of art, whatever. Um, but, or you could do what the brain trust did and it's just, um, barely fund. That's how I recommend. Oh right, working. everyone, everyone, you're listening to Adam Bass and Willie Opes give out Kickstarter advice. Two <laughs> motherfuckers that went crazy, insane, out of control, so fucking stupid, dumbasses who died, and you're, <laughs> you caught their voice on tape. You're listening to this. Yeah, the best. Maybe, 
I imagine that... in the last 45 minutes, you were nodding at something we said, which is crazy. <laughs> the best stretch goal advice is to uh, not make enough money for your project, and then you don't have to reinvest anything. Here's the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's the best way to run a Kickstarter. Make a Baroque series of rules that you have to explain in every external communication to your backers <laughs> and then stop doing it after the first time and it change, w- everyone change the if rules you, if you came back from episode one where we explained the rules for voting for the options we actually were trying to scan you out of two extra dollars <laughs> each yeah if you want to come back now we actually need those two dollars yeah we just of that we fucked up uh, but I'm three for three, baby. Hey, that one counts. You know, barely crossing the finish line and still is crossing it. Honestly, uh, you know how in some role playing games you mark experience for hardship or failing? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're um, we got a six got... minus on the campaign. <laughs> wait, 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 we got a seven to nine because um, we chose that we would get the money but then the the mixed result was it's actually not enough money (laughs) (laughs) so we have some but it's not none and it's not all yeah we we had our first kickstarters which were we got uh nine plus or ten plus where we got to hold two forward which was hubris and friendship (laughs) (laughs) we brought it to this one but (laughs) oh my god Watch the fucking roll. God. But then we gained then, XP. <laughs> we get to and spend then I, it. Yeah. And then Adam kept on playing Succeeding, and I am now playing a story game that does not include dice at all. <laughs> oh, you mean Amber Diceless. I'm playing Amber Diceless. The, on, the, only, dice, the only Diceless game. Uh, that, that was the thing that came up in the, in the Discord this week of, like, old heads who are like, oh... That already exists. You don't have to do that. Or redditors. I uh, let's come back and talk about anti-designers because I actually love the sentiment and I want to explain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Quick break. let's talk a teensy bit more about kickstarter yeah i saw a person who i don't know on twitter but i like you know interact with um who's doing their first kickstarter this week for for zine quest and they're like all the all the advice i saw online says i have to be extremely online for the first 48 hours and i was like hey no first of all set an alarm you have one hour you can look at kickstarter.com for one hour and then you don't go back (laughs) For if you get a comment or someone needs to talk to you, they'll email you, but you don't need to look on your page. You've already fucked up by knowing that you got a comment. Like <laughs> that one hour roll is so good. But yeah, this morning uh, I went to brunch with some friends and they're like, How's your Kickstarter doing? And I was like, Well, good, but um, I can't wait for it to be over. And they're like, You got a lot of money. And I was like, I'm gonna make maybe 500 bucks, but yeah. also, um, on Saturday night, I'm deleting that app. I was fucking gone. 
Nice. Uh, like the next level of turning notifications off. I, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to see the icon. God, even having the app feels like wildness. I like it because I lay in bed when I wake up and I'm on the Pacific time so I can see uh, the stuff that launched at the optimal 10 a.m. Eastern uh, when I wake up and stare at my phone in the morning. Yeah, that shit's great for like discovery. Um, yeah, but I still have it tabbed on my browser, too. So like I'll look at the, the new games once a day or whatever, but I don't yeah. need to like look further than that. Yeah, I mean, just I, maybe my baseline is weird because I've just followed Kickstarters forever, like ever since I started getting into games. So knowing like the ins and outs and like what it takes to run it and how it goes bad. Right. It just feels like the, those lessons aren't out there or people don't like know about all the cautionary tales of Kickstarter. I mean, yeah, Kickstarter itself likes to obviously not uh promote that attitude yeah is, it's like part it's of the gun. complication they're, they're just like just treat this like really seriously because it is a gun it's like a gun damn yeah extreme um extreme. yeah i also luckily had a pub like a game design a game publisher advise me before i did my first campaign and yeah. learned a lot of the same stuff, like even deeper cut info, like, you know, that Kickstarter takes a fee. But did you know that that fee also comes out of what you charge for shipping, which doesn't make any fucking sense? Uh, and I did not. And I still lost money on shipping, as I almost always do in every campaign. But uh, that I, I like accounted for some of it. I, I lost less money because yeah. someone gave me a tip. I don't even understand that in my head. Like what shipping in general is really hard. It's fucked up. I I I asked you for advice on that stuff, and it, it went. It's always changing pretty, too. Gr- yeah, it went pretty good. I mean, I I fucked up by not putting out a ton more games and using like my shipping easy account more. But I do that. I and uh, shipping easy. You can be a member and get a discount, and then you can change. You can and your membership uh, so i'll do like i'll f- fulfill a kickstarter i'll upgrade my shipping easy membership for one month do all of the fulfillment for the kickstarter and then downgrade my account back to the free account uh I so i get the perks and you also get like you know five percent off of your postage price or something which isn't that much but it adds up when you're doing 400 orders or something and um, yeah totally little life hack <laughs> And then handling all the pre-orders through it, too. And I just, like, saw a couple months of, like, really nice, decent sales. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just keep this. And then, obviously, I just left it open, which was stupid. Yeah, but... it's... it. I feel like it's one of those things that's designed to make you forget about it. And then yeah. you end up just being a member with, and paying fees for no use. Exactly. And it's like, I don't... I certainly don't have the catalog to support this, so what am I doing? Um, but, yeah... Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. I also find I'm really enjoying the, like, restructuring, or, like, making myself stick out in a weird way and not doing just zines anymore. Between Guide and Cobwebs, and, like, I have the idea of, like, what can I do that has pieces? (laughs) Because it's different and whatever. I, I just enjoy holding shit in my hand, I guess. 
Yeah, I think that it's, I like to have, I like to work on stuff that's novel and really good too. And so, and Guide and Cobwebs are exactly like that too, where it's mechanics that uh, are totally left field and work really well and are unlike other shit. So, yeah, it's a good place (laughs) to be. Yeah, like I can I can make small whatever little games that are like other games, but I know that I have to make some novel shit. Yeah, I think that um, is a lot of the sort of um, issue I have with my own like body of work is the the most novel ones I'm like the most proud of, obviously, and like hacks and stuff. I'm just like I made it. Here it is. Um, which isn't to say that like that's uh it's still like a very valid way of making games, but I don't give them the enough effort to make them valid. Um, where I where then I see other people do them, and I'm like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do when you hack a game, make it good, like do a good job, not just change the name of this move and call it yours. <laughs> I think that's not it's that's not giving yourself enough credit because I think your conception of what it's clear that like you can have huge conceptions of games and make and deliver on them. And you can also have the small idea and then also do that to exactly what it needs. So I think you are really good at knowing what something takes to get it done, which uh, many people, myself included are bad at. That's a nice thing. <laughs> but also I want to disagree. I think some yeah, like you said, some things require more, some things don't. Um Yeah. And figuring that out can be a, a most of your strife. Yeah, your fucking life. Strife. <laughs> All right, speaking of strife, let's talk about Reddit. Welcome back to the Brain Trust Podcast. Adam, I'm an anti-designer. Did you know that? Um, <laughs> I did not. Uh, yesterday I, think... I went to an anti-mall. Um, okay, what is that? It's just a mall. There's an Urban Outfitters <laughs> there, but they act like it's not a mall. <laughs> so is that, in the, is that the same thing as in the way that you're anti-designer? Like, you are a designer. But I would love to talk about brand. my shit, but go on a little bit more about the anti-mall. Like, was it indoors? Was it like a strip mall? Or it was what? pseudo, sort of outdoors. Um, like a it, garden? Um, there was a fountain that was made out of oil drums. So, okay. like a garden is, I guess, a, <laughs> an apt description. Um, it sounds like a Naughty Dog level. In one there of was like, video games. <laughs> it was like shipping containers, but they had like ivy growing on them to make it look like they were nature. Sounding a lot and a lot more like somewhere Nathan Drake would shoot a hundred people. Was, it was in Orange County, the OC. Um, oh. I saw a person with the 311 tattoo there. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> anyway, tell me. It's just called tell the Anti Mall? 
uh, it was the lab anti mall. Like the lab is the name, and anti mall was like their subtitle, I guess. But it full on just is like a tiny mall. Well, I guess it was like besides the Urban Outfitters, I think all the stores were like indie stores. Oh, I like, see. Like here's a little trailer, they, and we made our own soap. I bet they, and they fucking do. love being next to Urban Outfitters. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it really validates their experience. Yeah. Um. I I know the anti mall when it comes in contact with mall, it totally obliterates <laughs> anything in the area, creating an explosion unlike any other. <laughs> That's you got to keep that away from the Great Mall of America. Otherwise, we are dead. That's what. That's why our show is such a a success because we have designer and anti designer meeting over the airwaves. <laughs> it creates right. So I'm an anti designer. I think that um, games is like the luminiferous ether. It is uh, games you pull out of the air. The air is filled with game jelly play it's called plays the play storm and the play storm itself holds every game idea and game what we call game gestures you know rolling dice and uh looking at cards <laughs> do things <laughs> anyway what i'm trying to say is like uh people that like acdc all the best games were already made so we don't need designers to make any more games Wait, you mean all all the people who like ACDC were already made, and so there are new no no new ones. <laughs> no one born after nineteen ninety likes ACDC. They, it was they all... can't like it in the same way. It's not in their genes. Well, it it's like how there can only be one Dalai Lama, and when the Dalai Lama dies, there's a new one. Hmm. There's a set number of it's the Highlander. There's a there can only be one. There's a set number of ACDC fans in the world, and they're replenished at a steady rate of one to one when they (laughs) die. So if you want to be an ACDC fan, you better hope someone dies, or you can go kill them. But what I'm trying to say (laughs) is, I really like this online sentiment of people uh, really questioning why any game should exist. Any new game should exist. So this comes from a couple conversations on the Discord where people explicitly on Reddit.com are anti-designer. Like they don't uh they don't like that people are trying to make games. I see this a lot too with like how can you play Iron Man in fifth edition? Right? Like like, why would you? But yeah, um, their idea is why wouldn't you? Like, why would you learn a whole different thing when all you want to do is be the Iron Man and you already know Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, it's like treating games like programming code and that you can get the experience you want out of whatever code language. So if D&D is the... Uh, uh, C plus plus sound right nerds. This is um, outside of my wheel zone, my wheelhouse, my <laughs> wheel zone. Way outside my wheel zone too. Get in the zone. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just really refreshing that someone wants designers' efforts so squashed. Like, 
each game design is a tax-funded public works project, and you want just enough to keep the city running. <laughs> um, so when you say that you really like it, you don't like it, though. <laughs> um, no, I don't really like it. I do like it. I like how it makes me justify making stuff. Okay, that's valid. Because I was going to say, is there any kind of like devil's advocate reason that you could actually say, like, I like it? And I think that's valid. Like, um, I, I think there are a lot of... Uh, nobody likes to be told that what they're doing isn't valuable or, like, is wrong. But sometimes ask, being asked, like, hey, are you sure about this? can either make you um, reevaluate your process in a valuable way, which is obviously a good thing, or double down and be like, yeah, I'm fucking sure. And yeah. that's valuable too. Um, and I don't think a lot of people uh, face that question, especially uh, off of Reddit, you know, like when <laughs> on yeah. Twitter, where, where the people that you interact with are like you and like also make the similar things to you, or at least, you know, once you curate that list of, of people that you interact with, um, there's not a lot of self-evaluation, that, or at least that I do, that comes from that. It could be because I've muted the word discourse on Twitter. So <laughs> you don't <laughs> so see I'm any fucking out on tweets. Some of that. <laughs> you just got a blank timeline, dude. No, exactly. Like I have the anti-designer in my head now. Um, I got an anti-designer injection and like Venom, it comes out of me and tries to kill all my designs. <laughs> the anti-designer um, symbiote. That's the thing I think a lot of people, especially indies, deal with. It's like the self, self-canceling game design or like lack of... It really, some of it's a lack of confidence and some of it's just like a weird misfiring of uh of nerves yeah i don't have that and that's why i make 10 games a year is because <laughs> i have no one telling me in my brain hey maybe you shouldn't do this thing and i think sometimes i could benefit from that you're like the uh james bond evil villain that has no pain receptors and so you just <laughs> <laughs> like what are you genuinely gonna do to stop me yeah there's nothing you can do to stop out of you can try, and you should try, but it won't work. So, watching the these uh, hulking, pain, non-feeling brutes on Reddit or whatever is great to see how they justify that your game shouldn't exist or whatever. Or, like, whatever mechanic that you use is actually bad. Because you can get a very shitty, unhelpful... Shitty, unhelpful feedback that only makes you better at doing your thing. Um, so, for example, if someone says that dice are better than cards every in every case all the time, that is wrong on its face, and you can you can justify for yourself, you know, why this is the right idea for you. Or when someone says, "Why don't you make Iron Man? Why don't you stat up the anti mall in D anD D instead of doing it in?" <laughs> inspectors or something in misspent uh, youth yeah exactly yeah and uh 
Minimum Rage, which yeah, nice. <laughs> you can listen to on the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, you can listen to it on a podcast. You can listen to it on a podcast on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just good to have the to have the imagine that the anti designer's brain is in a jar on your desk all the time, and you can see it clenching whenever you have an idea. We as designers understand that game ideas are dreams from an angel's brain that we get to access <laughs> and and put down on paper and share with the world. And the anti-designer is the fucking Inquisition squashing all angels' brains ideas. I also think it's worth saying, too, that it's good to engage with the theory and not with the person at all. Like, oh, don't go percent. back and fall into the trap of justifying it to someone else. But as long as you can justify it to your own self, I think that's valuable. Yes, that's a huge, great thing that Adam just said. Never talk to anyone on that website. <laughs> it's like the, the guy from the bad YouTube man who's has the prove me wrong thing. It's like it, literally every you have a wrong opinion and but you're doing like a, a trap like. <laughs> You're doing a trap. You're doing a trap. So even when someone comes to you with a right answer, it's like not the cr- the like the riddle solution, and like then they just end up clowning or like looking like a clown yeah. because you trapped them. That's what this thing is that's happening on Reddit. It's yeah. like you can. It, it, it's good to provoke the thought process in your mind, but if you answer it to them, you will be taken hostage by the bridge troll and you then there you're gonna have to ask the riddles yeah that's you've how lost. it works like when you engage you become the anti-designer like yeah there's a finite number of anti-designers and <laughs> when when they best you you have to take their place it's like a, being a sith lord <laughs> sometimes you'll see fucking game designers become anti-designers and it's like oh man Everyone that worked on D&D 2nd Edition uh, now doesn't think any new game should exist. They turned. Uh, they, yeah, it's, it's like a zombie infection, and if you have it for too long and you die, you turn. Um, There's a lot of good metaphors on this show. Yeah. This episode specifically. Goddamn. Um, anyway, yeah, so the last word I'll have on it is that, like, when you come into contact with anti-designer thought, um, the truest, most best exercise of being a designer is uh, floating above it and having it not affect you in any way. That's how you know you win. So I listened to the... Uh, a backlogged episode of the modifier podcast that I've been meaning to get to. That was about burnout. Um, I think Tracy Burnett was the guest. Uh, and they were just talking about burning out and not being able to work on, not having the spoons to work on the thing, even though they care about the thing. Uh, and, and a solution that they have or offer or have been told or whatever. Um, is to have like a finish line, especially with a show like a podcast. How do you just you the idea of doing something in perpetuity is like a major culprit of uh burnout. 
Yeah. Um, and I think we're kind of nearing. I don't. I don't feel burnt out. I'll put that there. But it feels like we're almost getting close to like a finish line with our like theorizing. Like his guide, and and, and we talked about doing brain trust too. Also, but like <clears throat> is guide the the track upon which the podcasts rides. Yeah. And it, and then if that's a yes, when the game is done, which is around the corner, um, like, did we accomplish our goal? I guess that's what I want to get. Do we have a goal? And is it just, uh, <laughs> is it an achievable thing or, uh, do we even want to have such a concept in the trust? Yeah, so I was thinking this too, like, are we are we putting a number on it, or do we have two types of doing this podcast, like, in the big crucible of design type, when we're, that's when we were, you know, doing it every week and really labbing hard, or the once every two weeks, more talking about our own journeys and processes, like this episode, for example, and while, like, the podcast is work to do and edit and put out. Uh, it is really fun, and I think it does make me better at designing. Um, yeah, uh, I have been telling myself this year that I want to do more work that's not games adjacent, whether it's like writing essays or, or doing paintings and whatever. Um, yeah. And a lot of the sort of things I want to write about, even though they are games related, it's just not systems. Like, um, are things that we end up just talking about, right? Like, and that's a good thing because it's a way for me to poke at things in my brain that I'm curious about. And also just through conversation kind of, um, flounder around them or, you know, make a decision that's valuable. Um, that's what I would be doing if I was like writing non-system games content. It wouldn't be like supplements. It would be like, here's what I think about uh, my yeah. process. And so the show is like extremely valuable for me for that. And hopefully uh, I, it's also one of those things I wonder because like someone listening, do they resonate with that? Or is it just like hearing us do Katamari goofs is fun. And like, those aren't mutually exclusive, but you know what I mean? Like, am I yeah. accomplishing uh, an exterior goal? Is it, is it selfish or, you know, like, uh, what is the sort of, um, objective that I'm seeking or we're seeking by making the thing and, or is there one or, and does there need to be one? And it's like maybe more philosophical than I anticipated. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's good to like interrogate that you are, being We're the, the anti-designer anti podcaster. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Pinch poke you on me a coke. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's rebrand as the anti-designer podcast. So, I, yeah, I think we could maybe, like, we should have those two modes, like, when we're doing a f we're, when we're doing car like, official card-carrying brain trust business we do we like get in and grind on those but i like i like the chill episodes way more <laughs> totally really, 
they're kind of way better. <laughs> so. And it feels, yeah, it feels like we found a purpose in doing them. Like it didn't yeah. start with one, but it emerged, um, which is valuable too. Because, but again, like I, uh, because the concept of, of even just like our working uh, relationship came from this game design. Uh, and then the game design is ending. It's like graduating school and be like, yeah. are we going to hang out this summer? We're going to hang out this summer. Um, yeah. So what if we just uh, demarcate the podcast? Like we keep the same feed and we'll just be like, hey, these are our lab episodes. We're doing the thing. And this is the chill, the chill trust. Yeah, I like that. I know, too. I, I like some back end shit like you could have different artwork even like when you see a feed uh, i see this a lot with fiction where it's like we're doing another show but you're already subscribed to this feed so we're just going to make it look like something else um absolutely yeah and like if it would be cool to get paid to do this like if that made sense to do make it a patreon thing or whatever um like we could think about doing that also yeah true um, Even if it was like twenty bucks a month, that would be right. Any right now, it's zero. It's zero. A big old goose egg. It's, oh, it's, goose egg. It's, it's, it's negative if you count the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, close it up. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. Cobwebs is still on Kickstarter right now at tinyurl.com/cobwebskickstarter. Uh, by the time this airs, there's only like three days left. So tell somebody about it, please. Um, and I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. And I'm going to just tweet about cobwebs every day until it's over. And my name is Will Yips. I'm a game designer at Boston.com. I have <laughs> games at Will. And I will be buried in a cemetery, Cemetery Hill over in Salem when I die because I am so sick, been sick for a long time. Anyway, um, I am the anti-designer and I am become destroyer of worlds. So goodbye, everybody. Anti-brain, <laughs> anti-handshake emoji. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, it's uh, super dangerous. Like, probably <laughs> not, not even probably. Like, clearly offensive subject. Uh, not many people talk about how much Jesus pissed. <laughs> Dude, we have to delete the whole podcast. <laughs>